Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun, and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Manless, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show's at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Meanwhile in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Hi, I'm James. I'm Gavin. And I'm Stephen. And we are Dream Gun. And you are listening to a classic episode of Dream Gun Film Reads. Where we take our favorite movies and then totally rewrite them and put a bunch of jokes and nonsense in them. And then the show is performed by actors and comedians who haven't read the script, so everything you hear is completely unrehearsed. If you enjoy Film Reads, please subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't know what to say in your review, just use it to tell us what film you'd like us to read next. Because we're running out of ideas. <laughs> If you'd like to support the show, there's two ways to do it. You can subscribe to Film Reads on Patreon. Patreon subscribers get early access to episodes, bonus uncut recordings, and tickets to the live show. Or you can see us in person. If you'd like to see Film Reads live, you can check out dreamgun.ie for tickets to all of our upcoming shows or follow us. We are at Dreamgun and Sons on all the socials. We perform regularly in Dublin and London and at festivals all around the world. Please enjoy Dream Gun Film Reads. Dream Gun! Back to the Future by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, based on the play Oedipus Rex by Sophocles. <laughs> in a mysterious room, there's a wall covered in a wide variety of clocks. There's grandfather clocks, digital clocks, there's a clock that looks like a cat and one that looks like an owl, big clocks, small clocks, clocks that lean slightly to the left, a penis. <laughs> There's newspaper clippings on the wall, which tells us that the owner's previous home burnt down and he was forced to sell the land. It's unclear as to why he would post these painful memories on the wall, but it's very handy information for us, the viewer. A television turns on and a news report plays. <laughs> Officials, uh, <laughs> Officials at the Pacific Nuclear Research Facility have denied the rumor that the case of missing plutonium was in fact stolen from their vault two weeks ago. In other news, a local boy enters a house. <laughs> hey, Doc. Hello? Is anybody home? No. He hooks up a guitar to a gigantic amplifier. He turns all the dials in the room up to max. The one marked volume, the one marked silence, and the one marked thermostat. He jams a chord on his guitar, exploding everything irreparably and knocking him backwards. He stands, removing his sunglasses. He is now deaf. Whoa, rock and roll. It's Marty McFly, the coolest kid in the world. He's like if Michael J. Fox and the band McFly were merged together in the machine from The Fly. The phone ding-a-lings. Hello, not my house. Marty, can you meet me at the Twin Pines Mall tonight at 1.15? I've made a major breakthrough. I need your assistance. Doc, what's going on? Where have you been all week? I exploded all your stuff with my guitar. All the clocks begin to chime. Are those my clocks I hear? Yeah, it's, it's 8 o'clock. They're all exactly 25 minutes slow. My experiment worked. The experiment of setting all my clocks wrong worked. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 8.25? Precisely. Damn. 
I'm late for school. He grabs his board and skates out into 1985. Ah, 1985. A carefree time where, if you set your mind to it, you could do anything, except get a divorce, abortion, or use contraception. <laughs> Marty gains sweet speed as he skitches his way past all the local landmarks, really giving you a good sense of the layout of the town. He waves to some 80s leotard women who giggle and wave back. Now remember, don't ever do this unless you're the main guy in a story. <laughs> He arrives at his school, Sweet Hill Valley High, where his girlfriend Jennifer is waiting. A, yeah. She is a great enabler, enabler of his Ferris Bulery. She likes him, despite the fact that he's the most charming man in the world. Marty, don't go this way. Strickland's a looking for you. If y'all call, it'll be four toddies in a row, Marty. That's too many toddies, Marty. Marty, you can't get another time. Yeah, just start. It just sounds really bad, so just, you know, this time it wasn't my fault. Down the corridor walks Principal Strickland, a buttoned-up stick in the mud who was born to be gunged. <laughs> Tidy slip for you, Miss Parker, and one for you, McFly. I believe that makes four in a row. No one knows what happens when you get five. And I can't be here responsible for it. Now you're spending a lot of time with this Dr. Brown. He's a real nutcase. You hang around with him and you're gonna end up in big trouble. I get it, guys. You think he's a bit of a kook, a daffy science man. So I don't know where I heard it, but I think he's mixed up with some really bad people, Marty. This is a genuine concern. Look, Marty, I'm really just trying to look out for you. Marty, listen, I really wasn't gonna say anything, but I think he's right. My dad's got a friend in the bureau, and he heard him say he's on a watchman. Yeah, I know. He's a bit of a silly billy. <laughs> You're a slacker, McFly. You remind me of your father when he went here in 1955. He was a slacker, too. Can I go, Mr. Strickland? I'm late for band audition class. <laughs> <laughs> no McFly ever amount to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well... History's gonna change. What's that a reference to, Marty? <laughs> you know, because, you know, he said history and... Uh -huh. and later, yeah. <laughs> Marty and his band, busted, prepared to audition <laughs> for the Battle of the Bands. <laughs> Next, please. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm really glad to be back in the great city of uh, high school audition. They begin to play music, but it's way too loud and are stopped by the judge. Okay, that's enough. I'm sorry, fellas. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Huey Lewis. Damn. Do you have, I really does what one Huey thinks the music's oh. great. <laughs> no, listen, the music's great. I just... Uh, I think it'll really work. It's just too darn loud. Look, I'm a layman when it comes to sound engineering, but if you just turn it down a little... Damn, I just really love turning up dials. <laughs> After this abject failure, Marty and Jennifer go for a walk in front of a famous Hill Valley clock tower. An election van drives by, blasting out sweet local propaganda. 
Re-elect Mayor Goldie Wilson. Progress is my middle name. That's right, Goldie Progress Wilson. Disclaimer, this is not my legal name. <laughs> Too loud? I can't believe it. I'm never going to get a chance to play in front of anybody. Marty, you're really good. In this audition type of yours, you're going to send it into a record company. It's like Doc's always saying. Yeah, I know. Marty, let's make a time machine and fuck with history. <laughs> No, 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 no. He says if you put your mind to it, you could, ac you could accomplish anything. Marty sees a really big, ugly truck at a car dealership. Oh, check out that awesome, shitty truck. <laughs> Can I accomplish that? Imagine if instead of my dad's car, we take that truck up to the lake, throw a couple of sleeping bags in the back, lie out under the stars, and just count them. Every single one. So we can settle it once and for all. <laughs> Does your mama know about tomorrow night? It's more fun when she knows. <laughs> she would freak out if she knew I was going up there with you. And I get the standard lecture about how she never did that kind of stuff when she was a kid on November 5th, 1955. A flyering bag lady enters. Save the clock tower, save the clock tower. Mayor Wilson is sponsoring an initiative to repeal that clock. <laughs> I mean, replace that clock. Uh, 30 years ago, exactly 1.1 gigawatts worth of lightning struck that clock tower. And the clock hasn't run since. We at Hill Valley Preservation Society think it should be preserved exactly the way it is, as a part of our history and heritage. So we never forget that time that lightning happened. <laughs> Plus, if it gets fixed, no one will have a solid excuse for being late for things. Yeah, yeah, here you go, lady. There's a quarter. Go buy yourself a Pac-Man. Oh, thank you. Don't forget to take a flyer. Marty remembers to take a flyer. <laughs> Where were we? Right about here. She leans in for a kiss. was his hashtag me too moment and I don't like it. Jennifer, honey. Oh, no. Oh, dear. We didn't get to do it. <clears throat> I'm okay. Oh, it's my dad. I gotta go. I'll call you tonight. I'll be at my grandma's. Here, let me give you the number. She writes the number on the back of the clock flyer and adds, I love you. Cool. Wait. How do I dial the letters part? Ooh, wait, I think I got it. I can use the seven for like a V, but five kind of looks like an S, I guess. Oh, yeah, I gotta go, Marty. <sighs> Marty arrives home to see the family sex car being towed into the driveway. Oh no, it's been wrecked. Ah, oh, perfect, just perfect. I'm being sarcastic. Inside he sees Biff Tannen. He looks like if some ham found a suit. <laughs> Like, I can't believe you loaned me a car without telling me I had a blind spot. <laughs> I could have been killed. Marty's father, George McFly, cowers in the corner. George is an erotic, spasming man who looks like if a pencil witnessed a horrible car crash. Now, Biff, now, I, I never noticed any blind spot before when I would drive it, although 
I, I have never drawn it through a farmer's market. The high sun. You should have told me the car wasn't designed to go off-road. And into a big wall. <laughs> uh, uh, now, Biff, can I, can I assume that your insurance is going to pay for the damage? My insurance? It's your car. Your insurance should pay for it. After all, you were driving. Hey, I want to know who's going to pay for my shirt. You spilled beer all over it when you smashed up your car wearing my shirt. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm out of here. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, please don't tell the police about any of this. Thank you. <laughs> Biff calls an Uber on George's account and takes the long way home. Uh, I know what you're going to say, son, and, and you're right. You're right, but Biff just happens to be my supervisor and I'm the head of HR, so my complaints, they just go to me. <laughs> the car, Dad, he really wrecked it. I needed that car tomorrow night. Now me and Jennifer are going to have to do it on the floor of the car park, and I really don't want to do that. I know, I know, and all I can say is I'm sorry. Marty sits down to dinner with his notably less cool siblings, David, the drooling dullard, and Linda, the lonely layabout. His mother Lorraine enters with a cake. You know, she'd be quite a looker if she didn't have quite so much poorly applied PVC hanging around her neck. <laughs> Uncle Joey didn't make parole again. Uncle Jailbird Joey? Yeah, I think it's a major embarrassment having an uncle in prison. All the kids at school are always asking, hey, what does your uncle do? Hey, what does your uncle do? Hey, we all make mistakes in life, children. Also, the American justice system disproportionately punishes drug offences. Didn't he burn down a maternity ward? <laughs> yeah, but he was high at the time. Damn. Oh, hello. Damn. I'm late for my deeply unfulfilling greasy fast food job. God damn it. David, watch your mouth. You come here and kiss your mother before you go. Come on, make it fast, I'll miss my bus. M mom, you know mom, the other moms don't like kissing their kids as much as you do. David slides out of the room, leaving a trail of grease and chip fat. Hey, Marty, I'm not your answering service. While you were outside pouting about the car, Jennifer Parker called you twice. Once by accident and once to ask for you. Uh, I think it's terrible. Girls chasing boys. When I was your age, I never chased a boy or called a boy or sat in a parked car with a boy. Or oh, had any fun, really. <laughs> well, then now, how am I supposed to ever meet anybody? Tinder doesn't exist yet, and Grinder is only for gay men. <laughs> I'll just happen. Like the way I met your father. That's so stupid. Grandpa hit him with a car and then beat him with a tire iron. Yeah, it was meant to be. If Grandpa hadn't hit him, then none of you would have been born. Yeah, Mom, we know. You told us a story a million times. You felt sorry for him, so you decided to go with him to the disenchantment in the sky dance. No, 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 no. The enchantment under the sea dance. Our first date. 
It was that night of that terrible thunderstorm. Your father kissed me for the very first time on that dance floor. Yes, I remember it well. Exactly 9.06 p.m. <laughs> Latitude 39.1. So fucking romantic. It was then I realized I was gonna spend the rest of my life with him. I mean, look at him. Sitting there reading the paper like a piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck! So good! <laughs> Later, at the Twin Pines shopping mall, Marty sports Doc's van and spots Doc's van and his dog Einstein. Einstein, hey Einstein, where's the Doc boy, huh? Einstein doesn't answer as his mind is elsewhere. <laughs> The van opens, dry ice pours out, and out rolls a modified DeLorean. It's like a car, but the doors open upways, leading children everywhere to believe that all DeLoreans are supposed to have tubes. Wow, what an iconic car. From the DeLorean steps Dr. Doc Brown. He looks like what idiots think scientists look like. Marty, you made it. Welcome to my latest experiment. Bear with me. Marty, all of your questions will be answered soon. I don't have any questions. <laughs> Doc stuff Einstein into the car and slams it shut. Have a good trip, Einstein. Einstein paused desperately at the door handle. <laughs> nice try, Einstein. Child lock. <laughs> Now, if my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Marty picks up a video camera and starts filming. Good evening. I'm Dr. Emmett Brown, doctor of 18th century gender studies. <laughs> I'm standing at the parking lot of Twin Pines Mall, and this is a temporal experiment number one. He takes out a remote control and begins driving the car with it. He revs the engine and drives it straight at Marty and himself. Remember our blood pack, Marty? <laughs> right at the moment, it would definitely have killed them had a single calculation been wrong. The car vanishes, leaving a trail of burning tire marks and a spinning license plate. You did it, Doc! You exploded your dog! No, Marty. The question is, when the hell are they? <laughs> Einstein has just become the world's first time traveler. I sent him back one minute into the future to be exact. One uneventful minute passes. <laughs> Suddenly the DeLorean returns, covered in ice. Doc pulls open the door. Quick, Einstein, tell us who to bet on. Doc, this is crazy. I mean, one minute into the future, who knows if we we'll even play sports? <laughs> <laughs> As far as Einstein's concerned, the trip was instantaneous. He skipped over that minute, briefly passed through a hell dimension, and instantly arrived at this moment in time. I'll show you how it works. You input the destination time on this keypad, say you want to see the signing of the Declaration of Independence, or you want to find out who shot JFK. You can just go back and ask Jesus Christ. <laughs> as a son of God, he's all-knowing. Here's a red-letter date for the history of science, November 5th, 1955. You know, people have been talking about that exact week all day. <laughs> that was the day I invented time travel. I remember it vividly. I hit my head on the toilet. I don't remember much after that, but the next thing I do, the flux capacitor. It runs on plutonium, so I need a nuclear reaction to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity that I need to power these 
three LEDs in a Y shape. Doc, you don't just walk into a store and ask for plutonium. It's not a crisp, refreshing six-pack of Coors Light. Did you rip this off? Of course, but from a group of Libyan nationalists. They wanted me to build them a bomb, but don't worry, I stole their plutonium and in turn gave them a bomb case full of used pinball machine parts and your run-of-the-mill conventional explosives. <laughs> Doc and Marty put on radiation suits and jack up the DeLorean with plutonium. Oh, I almost forgot to bring some extra plutonium. How did I ever expect to get back? They see the unmistakable headlights of a truck full of Libyan terrorists. <laughs> They drive a VW bus like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But instead of being heroes in a half shell, they're Libyan terrorists. Oh my God, they found me. Run for it, Marty! They immediately gun down Doc in cold blood. Doc, no! Although you did kind of invite this on yourself. Marty dives in the DeLorean and revs the engine. Uh, all right, let's see if you bastards can do just under 90. The DeLorean hits the iconic speed of 141.6 kilometers per hour. The car park vanishes and is replaced by a barn, which Marty and the DeLorean crash straight into. Marty drives home to discover his house hasn't been built yet, and his brother and sister are reverse dead. <sighs> all right, all right. You're fine. Okay, me. Just get a grip on myself. Marty hides the DeLorean behind a billboard and walks back to town where the 1950s are already in full swing. It's like an above-water Bioshock or a pre-apocalypse Fallout 3. <laughs> Marty stumbles into a local 50s-style diner. Wow. A regular Eddie Rockets. <laughs> hey, can I use the phone? Yeah, it's in the back. But it's the 50s, so it's got two parts. One you've got to put up to your mouth and the other to your ear. Does it have Google Chrome? Yeah, it's pretty slow. <laughs> Marty flicks through the phone book. Okay, okay, okay. Emmett Brand, great, you're alive. 1640 Riverside Drive, got it. <laughs> hey, McFly, what do you think you're doing? It's Biff, except he's a teenager and no longer wearing old man makeup from his school musical. He's followed by his goon contingent, Skinhead and 3D, named after their hair situation and spatial dimensions. <laughs> Marty goes to respond when... Oh, hey, Biff. Hey, guys. How are you doing? I love you. <laughs> yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh, well, actually, Biff, I figured since it wasn't you until Monday... I... Hello? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Anybody home? He knocks on his head like it's a good melon or the door of a house. Think, McFly, think. I gotta have time to recopy us. Do you realize what would happen if I handed my homework in your handwriting? <sighs> Better yet, you learn to forge my handwriting. And I have a notably complex hand style. McFly, I'm very into calligraphy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His S-loop is elaborately elegant fractal networks. Okay. It's like the goddamn Book of Kills up in here. <laughs> it's an underappreciated art form, McFly. Okay, thanks, guys. They spot Marty, looking like some space-age Jetsons type man. His puffy sleeveless jacket confuses and infuriates them, just as it would in our time. 
What are you looking at, boss head? Hey, Biff, check out this guy's life preserver. Dog thinks he's gonna drown. <gasps> what a loser. Yeah, maritime safety is a joke. <laughs> I don't want to see you in here again, McFly. My name's Biff, because it sounds like the sound I make when I punch people. <laughs> yeah, all right, bye, Biff. Marty stares in disbelief. Could this really be his father, the man who will eventually spawn him and all of his lovable teen antics? What? You're George McFly. An attendant passes, mopping the floor. <clears throat> Say, why do you let those boys push you around like that? Well, I, I don't know, they're bigger than me. Well, that's understandable, Dan. It's important to have a hierarchy. <laughs> you gotta have some respect. He should be younger. <laughs> you gotta have some respect. <laughs> Every decision we make today, specifically today, will have massive repercussions going forward. Listen to me, do you think I'm gonna spend the rest of my life in this Eddie Rockets? Watch it, Goldie. Keep mopping that floor. Don't look up now. No, sir, I'm gonna make something out of myself. I'm going to night school and one day I'm gonna be somebody. That's right, he's, he's gonna be mayor. Yeah, I'm mayor. Hey now, that's a good, yeah, me as mayor. Hey now, that's a good idea, I could run for mayor. I was just planning on finding some bigger flaws to mop, but mayor. <laughs> yeah, I like the sound of that. Oh, I should have read this before. Okay. <laughs> A coloured mare? That'll be the day. Sure, I'm racist, but at the moment, that's the normal opinion to have. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait and see, Mr. Catharsis, Mr. Cara... Carruthers. Carruthers. <laughs> I will be mayor, and I'll be the most powerful mayor in the history of the Hill Valley. I have a small town dream of going to Washington and being completely swayed by lobbyists, getting fat on kickbacks. <laughs> yes, sir. Really fell up on that swamp. <laughs> Make it a real dystopia. This is America. <laughs> While Marty was distracted by all this predestination nonsense, George has cycled away. Marty runs after George and finds him in a tree watching a woman undressing through binoculars. <laughs> He's a peeping Tom. Is he really? That, that's virtually unforgivable. I mean, yeah, he's socially anxious, sure, but like, come on, a fucking peeping Tom. There's no excusing that, the character's ruined, no. He falls out of the tree into the road, he gets hit by a car and I hope he dies. No, doesn't get hit by a car. Marty runs in, unfortunately, and pushes him out of the way. Dad! <laughs> Marty is hit by the car, knocking him unconscious. Uh, it's the 50s, so cars haven't advanced into the wonderful murder machines we have today. <laughs> His father, the peeping Tom, flees the scene. 
Stella, another one of those damn kids jumped in front of my car. But this time I tried to stop instead of following through. <laughs> Come on, help me take him in the house. Marty wakes and sees the silhouette of his mother, Lorraine, watching over him. Mom, is, is that you? Hey there now, just relax. You've been asleep for almost nine hours. And by asleep, I mean unconscious. And by nine hours, I mean 37 hours. Ah, oh, I had a horrible nightmare. I dreamed I went back in time and learned the horrible truth about my father. <laughs> well, you're safe and sound now in good old 1955, home of the present. Oh no! It's still the past! And his mom is young and tremendously hot. What's he gonna do? 1955? You're my sexy mom! My name's Lorraine. Lorraine Baines, mother of none. <laughs> yeah, but you're so... you're so thin. <laughs> <laughs> Just relax now, Calvin. You got a big bruise on your head, and a lot of blood came out of your ears. <laughs> Where are my pants? <laughs> Over there on my hope chest. I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. Calvin, why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that's your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein. It's written all over your underwear. That's still the primary form of legal identification, isn't it? Actually, people call me Marty. Pleased to meet you, Calvin, Marty, Klein, 100% polyester, not machine wash. Uh, Lorraine, are you up there? Oh, my God, it's my mother. P put your pants back on. They specifically told me not to take your pants off. <laughs> Downstairs, Lorraine's mother has made dinner for the family. In the corner, her father, Sam, fiddles with the new television that's just been invented. So tell me, Marty, how long have you been in port? You're a sailor, aren't you? That's why you wear that life preserver. Oh, yeah, I, I fell off a ship, the uh, Titanic. Wait, has that happened yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, now, let me see. You already know, Lorraine. Uh, I'm Stella, and over there in the playpen is little baby Joey. Marty hunches down. So you're my little Uncle Joey. <laughs> Better get used to these bars, kid. I know what you've done. <laughs> yes, uh, Joey just loves being in his playpen. He cries whenever we take him out, so we just leave him in there all the time. Yes, sir, some people are just born criminals, and that's that. <laughs> Sam, quit fiddling with that thing and come in here and eat your dinner. Sam is the all-American patriarch of the family. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. This TV thing is great. It's just people doing the jitterbug for two hours a day in the bars and tone. The American dream. Our first television set. Dad just picked it up today. Do you have a television? Well, yeah, you know we have two of them. Wow, imagine that. One for 
for each eye. (laughs) (laughs) Marty, I want to give your mother a call. I don't want her to worry about you. Oh, uh, you can't. uh, Nobody's home. Oh. Yet. Um, you know, it's very difficult to talk to you when you keep saying misleading things. Uh, w- would you like any more meatloaf? Oh, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm not hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out. Mother, with Marty's parents out of town, don't you think he ought to spend the night? He can sleep in my room. Under the table, Lorraine squeezes Marty's leg, which, unbeknownst to her, is full of her own DNA. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I gotta go. Thanks very much. It was wonderful. I'll, I'll see you all later. Much later. Yes. <laughs> Marty leaves. He's a very strange young man. He is an idiot. Comes from upbringing parents would probably... Idiots too. Oh, sorry, I glossed over a comma there. Comes from upbringing. Parents are probably idiots too. (laughs) Lorraine, if you ever have a kid like that, I'll disown you. I mean exactly that kid, Lorraine. (laughs) Not even one like him. If literally that kid is somehow your kid, I will disown you. Later... Marty knocks on the door of what he knows to be Doc's house. Doc! Doc! Doc answers wearing a large metal device on his head and holds for applause. (laughs) Doc sticks a transmitter to Marty's forehead. Quiet, quiet! I'm going to read your thoughts. You're a teenager who discovers that he can turn into a werewolf. No, I... I... Uh, silence. Uh, you, uh, you work for the mayor of New York, and every week you have to get him out of embarrassing media scrapes. No, that's not it at all. No, no, okay. You're, you're, you're a laid-back teen who teams up with a goofy doctor to travel back to the Old West and get up to Western-themed capers. No, that's not it. You're Stuart Little. No, Doc! I'm from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented with doors that go up ways, and now I need your help to get back to the year 1985. Time machine? I haven't invented any time machine. Okay, all right, I'll prove it to you. Look at my driver's license. Expires 1987. Look at my birthday for crying out loud. I haven't even been born yet. What does that prove? Show me your underwear. And And look at this picture. My brother, my sister, and me. He holds up a photo of them standing next to an ominous well. Look at the sweatshirt, Doc. Class of 1984. I couldn't possibly fake a sweatshirt, could I? It has sleeves, Doc. I got enough practical jokes for one evening. I'm still fuming about getting fooled in that Orson Welles phony War of the Worlds bullshit. (laughs) Good night, future boy. Doc goes into the garage and slams the door. No, wait, Doc. The bruise. The bruise on your head. I know how that happened. You told me the whole story earlier today. You dunked your noodle on the crapper. (laughs) (laughs) Doc opens the door and looks at Marty in disbelief. Later... Marty has hooked his modern camera to the TV somehow and plays the video we saw earlier. Old TVs have HDMI ports, but they just use them to hold oats. Okay, Doc, this is it. 
Future Doc appears on the screen and begins to say all the stuff he said at the beginning. Why, that's me. Look at me. I'm an old man. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> How is the time machine powered? Oh, what was it again? It's an electricity car, but it needs a nuclear explosion to generate 1.21 gigawatts to make it go. 1.21 gigawatts! Great Scott! How could I have been so careless? Great Scott does not respond. Doc, look, all we need is a little plutonium. Look, I'm sure in 1985, plutonium is available at every corner drugstore, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. You can only get it from the bigger chain stores. Marty, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you're stuck here. Whoa, Doc, I got a life in 1985. I got a girl, she's crazy about me. And other traits, I'm sure. <laughs> look at this. Look what she wrote me. Doc, that says it all. Here, look, Doc. Here, look on the back of this innocuous piece of paper. He holds up her note on the back of the Save the Clock Tower flyer. Marty, I'm sorry, but the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning, or the Hoover Dam. Unfortunately, you never know when or where a Hoover Dam is gonna strike. <laughs> Marty realizes what he's holding. We do now. This is the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is gonna strike the clock tower at precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. It doesn't say the second, but we can just wing it. We probably don't need to be too exact. <laughs> next Saturday night, we're sending you back, forward to the 80s. Okay, all right, cool, Saturday is good. Saturday is good, I could spend a week in 1955. I could hang out, you know, you could show me around. I could drink a malt. <laughs> Marty, that's completely out of the question. You must not drink a malt. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Have you interacted with anybody else today besides me? Oh, I may have knocked into some butterflies on my way here. and <laughs> I gave some pretty life-changing advice to some strangers and, uh, yeah, I, I might as well, I uh, might have sort of kind of run into my parents. Great Scott! Let me look at that photo photograph again of your brother. Just as I thought. It proves my theory. Look at your brother. In the photo, the top half of his brother has begun disappearing. His head's gone. Yes, we've obviously triggered a timeline where your brother's torso was melted down in an industrial accident. Oh no, now all my memories are, are, are of, of growing up with a pair of shins. I remember at his prom where the shoes are, are, were just wearing little formal bow ties instead of laces. Oh God, it's adorable. We gotta do something. <laughs> the next day, Marty and Doc show up at the recently built high school. Whoa. They really cleaned this place up, but it looks brand new. He's really not getting the whole fucking time travel thing. <laughs> now remember, according to my theory, you interfered with your parents' first meeting. They don't meet, they don't fall in love, they don't get married, they won't have kids. Which one is your pepo? <laughs> That's him. He points to George being pushed through the corridor by some school toughs. He's wearing a kick-me sign. Oh, okay, guys, hi, yeah, yeah, very funny. Come on, guys, leave my sign alone. McFly! Uh, that's, that's Strickland, J -J Jesus. Did that guy ever have hair? Shape up, man, you're a slacker. You wanna be a slacker for the rest of your life? You're on thin ice, McFly. You know the rules about being bullied. Hey, George, buddy, oh. hey, I've been looking all over for you. You remember me, the guy who saved your life the other day? Yeah, you're very memorable. Good. There's something, there's someone I'd like you to meet. Hey, hey, Lorraine! I'd like you to meet my good friend, Papa George McFly. 
It's, it's really a pleasure to meet you. Calvin! Oh, I've been so worried about you ever since you escaped from my house the other night. Are you okay? The school bell rings. School is happening. Lorraine runs to class with her pals. Isn't he a dreamboat? A dreamboat is 1950s slang for an attractive boat. Doc, she didn't even look at him. This is more serious than I thought. Apparently your mother's amorously infatuated with you instead of your father. Now, Marty, I'm sure in 1985, incest is available at every corner drugstore. <laughs> <laughs> but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that my mother has got the hots for me? Precisely. The only way we're gonna get those two to successfully mate is if we get them alone together. They're like pandas, Marty. We just gotta get them plump on bamboo and leave them in a cage. Wait, what, what do you mean, like, like a date? I, I don't know, what, what do kids do in the 50s? They see a flyer on the notice board. Of course, the clock tower will make them be electrocuted by a bolt of lightning. No, look, there's a rhythmic ceremonial ritual coming up, the school dance. Oh yeah, that's cool too. Wait, of course. The enchantment under the sea dance. They're supposed to go to this. This is where they kiss for the first time. All right, we got a plan. You go force them to do that, and I'll go home and lie down. <laughs> Later in the cafeteria, George sits on his own, but I've no sympathy for him since the whole peeping Tom thing. <laughs> George, buddy, but, but uh, Lorraine, she, she, she really likes you. She, she told me to tell you that she wants you to ask her to the enchantment under the sea dance. Trust me. And she told me that she'd pretend not to want to and deny all knowledge of it. Really? Yo, yeah. All you gotta do is go over there and ask her and keep asking her and refuse to leave. She loves that. What if she says no? I, I don't think I could take that kind of rejection. This is true. He seems very unstable. <laughs> Besides, I, I think she'd rather go with Biff. He points to Biff, who is holding Lorraine aggressively. Come on, come on, go out with me! I'm very strong and not very bright! Uh, what's the problem here? He's a beautiful man. Look at the craftsmanship. This is ace boyfriend material you're looking at here. I tell you, I for one would take him in a second if I had the chance. No, no hold up, buddy. Get in line. I want him all for myself. <laughs> You'd want to make your mind up fast, lady. Better get in here before someone scoops him up. <laughs> get your meat hooks off me. You, you heard her. <laughs> she said get your meat hooks off. Biff stands up, detaching his meat hooks from the girl. <laughs> he towers over Marty. Apparently up to that point, Biff has been kneeling on his shoes and is now revealed to be some sort of sky giant. <laughs> So what's it to you, butthead? You know you've been looking for a fight. Yeah, you've been changing for some fisticuffs. Our Biff's been picking up those vibes. Strickland senses child crime and appears. <laughs> what's going on here, Biff? I'm fine with you hassling the girl. <laughs> uh, Principal, I prefer your new accent as well. <laughs> You know what? You're new here. I'm gonna cut you a break. Yeah, our boy's gonna cut you a break. He's gracious as fuck. Well done, Biff. Oh. A plus. 
I love you like a son. Strickland vacates, completely satisfied with the good job he's done. Now listen, why don't you bake like a tree and take root, germinate and grow and be nurtured from a sapling into a strong, mighty oak? And then, one autumn day, I will come to you and whisper my secrets into your hollow. And you will hold them until long after I'm gone. Through you, they will never be forgotten. My sweet tree. Yeah. <laughs> Later, Marty and George walk home. Marty is still begging George to sleep with his mom. Look, Marty, I just can't go to the dance, okay? I'll, I'll miss my favorite TV shows. Uh, science fiction theater, RuPaul's Dragnet, uh, James Dean's Drag Race, and Alfred Hitchcock Presents Top Gear. Look, I'm just not ready, and not you, nor anybody else on this planet is gonna make me change my mind. This planet, huh? That night, Marty sneaks into George's room dressed in his radiation suit and wakes him with, an, with aggressive glam rock. Uh, who are you? Silence, Earthling. My name is Darth Vader. I'm an E.T. from the planet Vulcan. I'm also all of the X-Men and Saban's Power Rangers. And I'm here to tell you that you must go out with Lorraine or Optimus Prime will smash up your house. Uh. The next day, George finds Marty at the local gas station where they drink unleaded Coca-Cola. Marty, listen, last night just lots of intellectual properties came into my room. They told me that if I didn't take Lorraine out that they'd crush my house. And, uh, anything else? Oh, yeah, he said to give you $20. Here. Uh, that's what I thought. I'll tell Wolverine. <laughs> they enter the diner. Music blares on the jukebox and young kids dance and bop around the room. It's a paradise of hamburgers, rock and roll, and segregation. <laughs> Look, just tell her your destiny has brought you to her. Okay. Lorraine, uh, my, my, my density has brought me to you. Oh, I really bungled it, Marty. I really blew it. Optimus Prime is going to rip me limb from limb. Hey, don't, don't I know you from somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm George. Uh, George McFly. Just then, Biff and his cronies burst in. There's a record scratch noise. <laughs> Hey, McFly! I thought I told you never to come in here. The greasy food is bad for your health. Get out of here. Whoa, whoa, Biff! What's that? Biff turns, but the interesting bird Marty was pointing at has flown away. Marty uses the window of opportunity to punch Biff in the face. He runs from the enraged Biff out to the street. That's Calvin Klein. Oh my God, he's a very attractive bow. Marty sees a kid riding a skateboard with a box on it. Hey, hey kid, I need your clothes, your keys, and your boxy board. He snaps the box off, inadvertently inventing the first skateboard without a box on top of it. Wow! Look at him go! Biff and his gang chase Marty in circles around the town. They watch impressed as Marty invents the ollie but can't quite pull off a grind. <laughs> I'm gonna ram him! Hey, uh, Biff, what exactly is the goal here? <laughs> yeah, Biff, 
You're getting awfully near this guy. We're trying to bully him with a car. I'm gonna ram that tiny man full speed into that truck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so wait, we're gonna kill him? There's a lot of witnesses here, <laughs> I think we might be going too far with this one. We're doing a fucking murder and I don't want to hear another word. <laughs> or I'll turn this car right around at you! Instead of being crushed horribly, Marty decides to not be and runs over the top of the car. Biff and the boys crash into a truck delivering manure, which is great because poop is funny. <laughs> The whole town laughs and Marty returns the skateboard. Thanks a lot. Say, kid, what's your name? John O'Brien! Oh, I thought you were gonna be like Tony Hawk or someone, never mind. <laughs> uh, later, back at the lab, Marty finds Doc re-watching the video of his future self. This mirror is far too fast, and then sometimes too slow. Oh, Marty, let me show you the plan for sending you home. Now excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it or scale it or to paint it. He reveals a living model replica of Hill Valley. It's highly complex and has its own little ecosystem. Why would you build this? I built this to vent, Marty. Hey, bank, refuse me alone, will you? Not so big now. Smash! <laughs> <laughs> hey, train station, charge me for the bathroom, will you? Boom! Hey, Doc, the... what's the plan? Of course. Uh... Basically, all we need to do is stick a big pole to the car and drive it at 88 miles per hour into this cable at the moment the lightning strikes. All right, now, watch this. You wind up this car toy, release it, I'll simulate the lighting. Ready, set, release! The toy immediately bursts into flames. It drives off the table and into 1985. <laughs> Suddenly, Lorraine knocks on the door. Oh no, it's your mom! Quick, Marty, hide the weed! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Marty. This may seem a little forward, but I was wondering if you would ask me to the enchantment under the sea dance on Saturday. I'm asking you to ask me to ask yourself to invite me to the dance by asking me. Oh, uh, has no one else asked you? You know, what about George? George McFly? Oh, yeah, he, he's kind of cute and all in a greasy, shaky, creepy way. <laughs> but, well, I think a man should be strong, four foot tall. <laughs> so he could stand up for himself and protect the woman he loves. Protect her from weaker men. Maybe not a history of, of tree peeping. Is that too much to ask? Or? No, I'm sorry. In this case, you're, you're trapped. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> the next day, Marty and George are putting wet laundry on a washing line. That's how he used to do it back in the... No, that's still how we do it. <laughs> George, she says she wants to go to the dance with you. She just doesn't know it yet. That's, that's why we got to show her that you are a fighter. Yeah, but I've never, I've never picked a fight in my entire life. You're, you're not going to be picking a fight, Dad, uh, Daddy, <laughs> Daddy-o, Papa John, the Almighty Father. <laughs> okay, let's go over the plan again. 8.55. Yeah, uh, you're going to be in the car with her. Right, okay, so right around 9, she's going to get very angry with me because nice girls get angry when guys 
try and take advantage of them. Whoa, whoa. You mean you're gonna go touch your honor, honor, honor ear? Ah, oh, Jesus, George, you're so fucking weird. <laughs> no. No, George, look, it's 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 just an act, right? At least to us, it's an act. Uh, she thinks it's real, and she can never know. So you see, you're struggling in the car. You open the door, and you say your line, George. Oh, uh, hey, you, get your damn hands off her. I'm assertive. I am always like this. This is my regular personality. Do you really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. God damn it, George, swear. Darn. Heck, uh, crud, uh, tits. Tits! Uh, tits! We'll, tits! We'll work on it. Tits! Okay, so now you come up, you punch me in the stomach, I'm out for the count, right? And you and Lorraine live happily ever after. So long as you never tell her the truth, it's just marriage by deception, George. Oh, Marty. You know, you make lying about my true self to a woman for 30 years sound so easy. Uh. All it takes is a little self-confidence. You know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything within very specific parameters that are already laid out for you. That night at the dinner, at the diner, Marty is composing a letter to his canonically deceased friend, Doc. Dear Dr. Brand, on the night I go back in time, you will be shot by terrorists. Please make your peace before then. <laughs> <laughs> Your friend, Marty. P.S. Join the Beatles. P.P.S. When you join the Beatles, don't be the main Beatle. He puts it in an envelope and writes, Do not open until a day before 1985 on it. That evening at the big aquatic dance, the band plays on while awkward teens shuffle on the dance floor. George shuffles on his own, his waxy scalp glistening in the moonlight. Outside, Marty arrives with Lorraine in the passenger seat. He switches off the engine and braces himself for some sexy, emotional scarring. <laughs> Do you mind if we park for a while? Oh, that's a great idea. I'd love to park. Parallel, perpendicular, missionary, <laughs> and so on. Huh? Well, Marty, I'm almost 18 years. Oh, it's not like I've never parked before. I think I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> hey, Marty. <laughs> you seem so nervous. <laughs> Is something wrong? Lorraine, have you ever just been in a situation where you know you had to act a certain way, but when you got there, you didn't know if you could go through with it? Lorraine sexually kisses her son. <laughs> No, I actually, I wasn't getting that. Maybe we should just try again, you know, really. <laughs> Maybe we should just like, you know, just like sort it out, just. Hey, someone's coming. Oh, shit. Suddenly, Marty is, Marty is pulled out of the car, but instead of weak little George, it's big, strong Biff. George is still inside. 
George is still inside shuffling around. He didn't want to really break that groove he had going on. <laughs> you cost 300 bucks damage to my car, you son of a bitch. And I'm going to take it out on your ass. <laughs> on your ass. <laughs> Hold him. Not my ass, that's where I keep my money. We told you not to keep money in your ass. <laughs> it was a poor move on your part, really. Let him go, Biff, you're drunk. We're all really worried about you. <laughs> we want you to get home safe. <laughs> well, looky what we have here. You're staying right here with me. Biff attempts to obtain the elusive consent he's heard so much about. Look, come on! Stop! Leave her alone, you bastard! Boys, lock him in the trunk of a random car and I'll be right there. The three friends pick up Marty and lock him in the boot of the band's car. Listen, 3D. What is this, skinhead? You know, I... I think Biff might actually be a really bad guy. I was just thinking that. Look, now's our chance. We can make a break for it, start a fresher. I don't think we'll get another opportunity at this. <laughs> I've never been to Peru. <laughs> we could just, we could just go now. Find out who Skinhead and 3D really are. Meanwhile... <laughs> George runs into the car park and sees what he believes to be a six-foot-two Marty McFly attacking Lorraine. Hey, you! Get your damn hands off, Biff! I think you got the wrong car, McFly. <laughs> I know what probably happened, George. Yours is an ocean blue, and mine is sort of like deep as your. Easy mistake. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Biff, wrong car, uh, my mistake. Uh, you two enjoy your evening. Just turn around, McFly, and walk away. Oh, uh, wait. No, no, Biff. You leave her alone. Biff exits the car and grows another three feet. <laughs> All right, McFly, you're asking for it, and now you're going to get it. Lorraine, you're out. George, get in the car. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marty is still locked in the boot. Marvin Berry, the band leader, emerges. Hey, that sounds like a cool teenager in my boot. <laughs> Hold on, I'll give me the lock open. Marty springs forth from the boot, which slices Marvin's hand in the ah! process. <laughs> Meanwhile, back with Biff, he's Biffin' George Good. You're gonna, you're gonna break his arm, Biff. Leave him alone. Let, let him go. <laughs> Take that, nerd. I'm the best bully. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe now my dad will pay more attention to me. <laughs> it, it's a cycle of violence, George. 
George slowly clenches his hand, inadvertently inventing the fist, and then punches Biff right in the face, where he keeps his features. Whammo! Oh! Biff ragdolls. <laughs> he ragdolls lifelessly to the floor. Are, are you okay? I think so. That's right, you're my girl now. Eyes to yourself, Georgie. George picks up Lorraine. Lorraine, aroused by violence, clearly, looks lovingly into his eyes. Oh, oh, George. Did I say you could talk? No. <laughs> <laughs> Marty watches proudly. <laughs> beside the couple that he made. He checks the photo one last time, but his siblings are still disappearing from it. He spots the band loitering and not emitting any romantic sounds. Hey guys, you wouldn't do me a favor and go back in and finish your gig? I hate to bother you, it's just I'm vanishing from time here. Oh, I'm sorry man, look at my hand. I busted it trying to get you out of the car. Ah. <laughs> Marvin, look, Marvin. You gotta play. See, that's where they kiss for the first time on the dance floor. And if there's no music, they can't dance. And if they can't dance, they can't kiss. And if they can't kiss, they can't fall in love. And if they can't fall in love, they can't do hand stuff. And if they can't do hand stuff, they can't go to that seedy S&M club. And if they can't go to the Moni Pony club, my mom is never gonna say, get that leather saddle on, big boy, because we're going to the- All right, okay, all right, okay, yeah, we get it. We get it. Shit. Sorry, kid, the dance is over, unless you know somebody else who could play the guitar. I can, but only loud. In an instant, Marty is playing the guitar on stage with the band as Lorraine and George dance. The next song is for all you predestined lovers out there who have no say in the matter. Can I talk? Can I? <clears throat> George, aren't you gonna kiss me? Oh, gee, I don't know, Lorraine. Marty hasn't told me what to do it. Suddenly, an obnoxious ginger boy pushes George away and takes Lorraine for himself. Uh. Scrab McFly, I'm cutting in. I'm a new guy. I've got a whole bunch of character traits that haven't been established. I'm a completely rogue agent. <laughs> George, who's this guy? He's not been established. But George is still at low health after his big fight with Biff. Hey, boy, you all right? I can't play. My memory of the G chord is fading fast. Marty watches as he begins to disappear from the photo. He holds up his hand and it begins to fade from existence. It looks unconvincing, but how are we to know what that would actually look like? Ah, uh, come on, Dad. My hand is at like 20% opacity. The ginger boy laughs maniacally. <laughs> In the photo, Marty and his siblings fade out and are replaced with a laughing ginger family. <laughs> But wait! In a spark of autonomy, George steps in, pushing the ginger man off Lorraine. Whammo! Oh, wow, I can really just whammo my way through life now. <laughs> George and Lorraine finally get that kiss. Wow, it's like kissing my brother, but in a good way. <laughs> 
This kiss snaps Marty back into reality, but more importantly, proves the existence of free will once and for all. Awesome. All my organs have faded back and in mostly the right place. Yeah, man. Hey, guys, let's just do one more song. Well, I just got everything set up perfectly so I don't die, and I really shouldn't mess with it anymore, but hey, what the hell? All right, this is an oldie, but uh, it's an oldie where I come from anyway. Anyone here from the future? Woo, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna do a, a blues riff in B. I want you to watch me for the changes, and I want you to try and keep up. Oh, one more thing. Play the song perfectly. <laughs> I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. <laughs> but your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> After the gig, Lorraine and George meet Marty backstage as they have VIP wristbands. Marty, those are some very interesting views. I hope you don't mind, but George asked me if he could take me home and have three kids with me eventually. Great, good, good, Lorraine. I had a feeling about you two. Oh, and, and one other thing. If, if you guys ever have kids and one of them, when he's eight years old, accidentally sets fire to the living room rug, 
just give him $20. <laughs> you got you, Marty. And George, just, you know, one more thing. Perhaps the most important thing of all, it's, it's gotta go exactly like it's gonna go. Uh, okay. No, Dad, you gotta listen to me. This is really important. It's a really specific sperm. Uh, well, Marty, I, I, I just don't know how you expect just, me to... Just do exactly as you're gonna do anyway. Just don't overthink it. Forget I said anything, but do exactly that and nothing else. Well, uh, thank you, Marty, for all your good advice. I, I'll never forget it. Marty leaves before he can fuck up this more than he already has. <laughs> Marty. Such a nice name. I think we'll name our third child Marty. <laughs> Back at the clock tower. Marty, you're late. Do you have no concept of time? Hey, come on, I had to change. You think I'm going back in that zoot suit? You don't understand, Doc. In the 80s, they'll kill you dead for looking different. Okay, here's the DeLorean. Follow these exact instructions. When the alarm goes ding, you gotta go real fast in the metal machine. Doc puts his hands in his pockets. He notices the letter that Marty placed earlier. It's information about the future, isn't it? I warned you about this, kid. The consequences could be disastrous. I could never be born. Wait, is that how it works? <laughs> he tears it to shreds. Suddenly, a tree falls over and disconnects the cable from the clock tower. Doc clambers up to fix it. Damn it, Doc! Why did you have to tear up that letter? If only I had more time. Wait a minute. I have a time machine. I'll just go back and warn him. Okay, ten minutes ought to do it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> The alarm goes ding. Time to drive, you suck, 50s. <sighs> the car doesn't start, but then it does. <sighs> Marty races down the street, hitting the lightning cable, sending him back. Back to the 10 minutes before the future. <laughs> Yay! Marty arrives just in time to witness Doc's murder all over again. Oh no! Marty runs over to Doc's lifeless body, but it's full of life. He was wearing a bulletproof vest. How did you know? Doc takes out Marty's letter, reassembled using advanced science. <laughs> Thankfully, your letter specified that I wouldn't be shot in the arms, legs, or head. What about all that talk about screwing up the space-time continuum? Well, I figured, what the hell. Also, come on, Marty, we pretty much fucked up everything already. What's a stupid letter gonna do? <laughs> so now you're gonna go off to the future, eh, Doc? About how far are you going? About 30 years. That's a nice round number. Hey. Look him up when you get there. Guess I'll be about 47. And if I'm single, you know, let's see what happens. <laughs> so long, Marty. Doc drives off down the road, disappearing in a flash of light. The next morning, Marty wakes up in his own bed. Oh, what a nightmare. Marty stumbles out into his living room, which is way nicer than before. His brother and sister eat a lavish breakfast. What's with the suit, Dave? What about your shitty fast food job? Marty, fast food's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> anyway, I always wear a suit to the office. Suit? Office? Time machine? <laughs> Oh, and if Harry calls, tell him I'm sick of his crying and I've moved on. Linda, first of all, I'm not your answering service. 
Second of all, I can't keep up with all your beautiful Italian boyfriends. Wait, Linda, you're dating? But the thing I knew about you is that you were a dried-up spinster who couldn't get a date to save your life. George and Lorraine arrive home, but they're well-exercised and full of light. Lorraine is still an alcoholic, but like a classy one that drinks gin. Confident hello! Sexy good morning! Mom, Dad, you look... you guys look great. Mom, you look so thin. George confidently slaps Lorraine on the bottom. Whammo! <laughs> still, still same... okay. George, oh, Marty, Jennifer Parker called. She's such a sweet girl. Isn't tonight the night of the big day? Well, Ma, we talked about this. We're not going to go to the lake. The car's wrecked. <laughs> wrecked? No, Marty, I'm sure the car's fine. They all look outside to see Biff waxing the car. <laughs> uh, see, it's fine. Uh, now, Biff, I want to make sure that we get two coats of wax this time. Not the one. Don't con me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. McFly. I mean, I'm just starting to get in this, 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 this second coat. <laughs> that Biff, eh? What a character. Been on top of Biff ever since I punched him in high school. He's been a lot more submissive since then. Probably gave him a little brain damage. Car <laughs> goes vroom, Mr. McFly. <laughs> That's right. And you know, Lorraine, if it wasn't for Biff... We never would have fallen in love. <laughs> That's right. He tried to rape you. <laughs> Uh, I, re I, re I really bounced back from that one. <laughs> Mr. McFly, this package just arrived. I think it's your new book. Finally, my first science fiction novel, L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology, Scientology book by George McFly. <laughs> you know, Marty, it's like that guy I met 30 years ago who looked just like you and was also called Marty Sad. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. No, 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 no. This is wrong. This isn't my life. I know my family were poor and flawed, but they were my family. I, I don't know you people. I don't know who you are. You're different. The, the people I grew up with are dead now. And I killed them. I'm a monster. I, I want my mother. Where's, where's my real mother? Oh, Marty, here's your keys. You're all waxed up, ready for tonight. Oh, sweet, a new car. <laughs> Marty opens the garage to see the Jeep he wanted at the start of the movie. His hero's journey is complete. How about Rob, mister? Jennifer, oh, are you a sight for sore eyes? They attempt to smooch, but are interrupted by a big flash. A DeLorean screeches to a stop right in front of them. Out hops a man we've never seen before. Marty! Marty! It's me, your son from the future! Marty Jr. I need your help, Dad. The future? Shut your mouth, Marty! You have to listen to me. You see that girl? What about Jennifer? Yeah. You must marry her, Marty! Forget about Jennifer! You have to impregnate this woman that I'm looking at! You have to do it in precisely 26 minutes. 
Or there'll be serious repercussions, Dad. Go now! But I don't want to do that. I don't know her. Oh, they told me you'd be difficult. None of that matters. It's for the good of the universe. Yeah, but, but... Look, Marty, it doesn't matter how old she is. All that matters Wait, is... wait, how old is she? It doesn't matter, Dad! <laughs> God damn it, Marty! Yeah, but, uh, I mean, what about Jennifer? Yeah, what about Jennifer? Wait a minute, mister. I'm his girlfriend. We're gonna spend the rest of our lives together. Shut up, Jennifer. <gasps> I'm from the future. I know what you did. <laughs> You'll get what's coming to you, Jennifer. Come on, Dad. Clock's ticking. You're gonna have to do it in front of all of these people. <laughs> Literally, you have to impregnate this woman. Please start taking off your pants and doing it right now. There's a huge flash and another DeLorean screeches into existence, crushing Marty Jr. <laughs> Out pops our boy, Doc Brown. Marty, you gotta come back. Back to the future. What are you, what are you talking about? What happens in the future? Do, do we become assholes or something? No, Marty. Both of you and Jennifer turn out fine. It's your kids, Marty. Something's gotta be done about your kids. But I just met my kid, Doc. He's, I mean, he's under your car. Oh, no, Marty. That couldn't be him. Your kid has a face. <laughs> They clamber into the DeLorean and Doc reverses into the street. Hey, Doc, we, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Doc sets the time circuits to October 21st, 2015. The future. <laughs> Hover jets emerge from beneath the DeLorean and it blasts upwards into the sky. Roads, where we're going, they still need roads. The end. <laughs> Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun, and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Manless, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show is at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Meanwhile, in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets.